Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. I mean, beverages, watching a big game, it can't get any better. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. This is the GM Shuffle. When we drafted Garoppolo, Brady wasn't going to embrace Garoppolo. Brady saw him as a competitor. Brady was going to be kind and work hard. Brady was going to do what Brady wanted to do. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. Michael, we are one week removed from the first round of the NFL draft, and the takes are still buzzing. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, people just don't get enough of the draft. They, they keep going back through it and over it and analyze it and why teams did this and why they didn't do that. And even when teams – how about Jerry Jones coming out with his draft board trying to, ju- trying to say, <laughs> look, mean, this is where we had Tyler Smith. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny because they're just – nobody wants to back off the narrative that was created. For example, Femi uh, – I was talking to a team this week, and like, if you go, th- what teams do is they 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 keep track of all the thirty visits, right? Mm-hmm. And they keep track of all the individual workouts, not the team workouts, not the you know, uh, Makai Pars, uh, excuse me, Malik Willis's pro day, right? That who's in attendance, that's great. But what they do is who went into Liberty and worked out Willis by himself, right? And when you break this down, like, I don't know why anybody was surprised. Nobody went and spent time with the quarterbacks. No, you know, Willis, I think, had Seattle, had, had Carolina he did visits with. But that was about it. Maybe Atlanta. But there were no other teams involved. It's the same thing with, it's the same thing with, uh, with Desmond Ritter. I mean, it's the same thing with him. It's the same thing with Sam Howe. Cle- Carolina was being aggressive with it. But there were no visits. There were just no visits. I think Kenny Pickett went to Indianapolis, but also, you know, he's sitting there at Pittsburgh. So, like, that's how you tell whether a guy's hot. And because all these people didn't have that information, they they think the guy's still hot. And yet he was never – all the teams knew he was never hot. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the teams were not surprised with what we saw during draft weekend, but it was more so the media that was making those connections and, and projecting that teams would reach for quarterbacks early on in the draft. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Tweet at us at M Lombardi NFL at Femi Abebefe is where you can find me, producer Stephen Vaughn, with us as always on the ones and twos. And Michael, you mentioned Jerry Jones showing his draft board to the media. Never seen anything like that in, in all of my yeah. years following the league, have you? No, I mean he's just trying to prove that he, you know he's he's trying to create the, the to dispel the narrative that the media is right and and his team isn't right. Like the, the, I was told by a team that you know that the Chargers drafted the kid from Boston College and mm-hmm. and a lot of people had Smith rated higher than him and then Jerry comes out and says that. So like I mean. The draft has become so controlled by the narrative of the the media. 
and they're not going to back off of it. Like, why didn't you take a quarterback? Well, they weren't ever, they weren't any good. That's why you didn't take a quarterback. Yeah, we need one, but they're not any good. So, I think ultimately, you know, this is going to continue. It's it's becoming more rel- it's becoming more forceful. They're coming Look, I I don't think it's wrong to question anybody's ability to judge a player. I think, you know, you're entitled to that. But mm-hmm. if if you understand like we said last week, if you understand the work that went into it, and if you understand the time that went into it, maybe you wouldn't see be so cavalier with it. And and I wrote a column today on on Vison, you know, that'll be posted later today after the pod, basically about player development. I mean, do you honestly think, Femi, that Cole Strange isn't going to get developed? Do you think that Belichick's going to just say, okay, you're going to be right guard, hope it works out, and pat him on his ass and say, let's go? <laughs> of course not. You know, you think Tyler Smith's just from Tulsa's just going to go out there and say, okay, Tyler, see what you – I mean, Joe Philbin was involved with the pick. Joe Philbin has, 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 a, has a sense of, I'm going to make this work. You know, and so he's going to be invested into it. And what I think all these draft gates don't really do is allocate player development within the, within the player. You know, it's like, what are we going to get out of this player? What can we expect from this player? And just because we took a good player, like the Jets, they took Jermaine Johnson. That doesn't mean if they have a right plan for him, nickel rusher, come in, play the edge, don't worry about it, just one year we're going to rush you, and he can make an impact. But if they try to teach him all the things that they want him to do, he may not make an impact. Yeah, no, and I think one of the big reasons why the draft is really popular is that we can have all these opinions pre-draft, but eventually the film is going to tell the story once these guys actually play the games in the NFL. Like We can all have our opinions on this guard or this offensive lineman or this pass rusher, this quarterback, but eventually the truth will come to light when we see these guys play on Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays, whatever days the NFL wants to uh, take over here in the regular season. But speaking of the quarterbacks, Michael, Malik Willis, third round, went to the Tennessee Titans. They trade up into the third round to get him. I know you saw this quote from Ryan Tannehill earlier this week. The OTAs are going on right now. So we're starting to get these players back in the facilities talking to the media. And Ryan Tannehill, the starting quarterback of the Titans, had this to say about Malik Willis and their potential mentorship in the QB room. I mean, that's part of uh, being in a quarterback room in the same room. You know, we're, we're competing against each other. We're uh, you know, watching the same <laughs> tape. We're, we're doing the same drills. Um, I don't think it's my job to mentor him, but... Um, you know, if he learns learns from me along the way, then um, then that's a great thing. Woo, I, Michael! I, could, I <laughs> couldn't agree more, fam. I couldn't agree more. Look, Stan Van Gundy was talking the other day on on the net and the Celtics Bucks game, and he was talking about to be a leader, you got to be a good player. Like you can't be a leader and be a bad player. Like you, nobody's mm-hmm. going to listen to you. You know, and he was talking about if you're going to lead, you got to play good. And I think that ultimately it's not Ryan Tannehill's job to, to develop Malik Willis. That's what they pay coaches for, and they're paying coaches a lot of money to do that, right? So what, what Tannehill can do is set an example. He can go to work early. He can put the time and the detail in. He can see all the things that he has. I mean, when Johnny Unitas showed up in, in training camp and he saw all these quarterbacks that have all these notes on the coverages and the players in the league, it was startled him. Right, it startled him. It's like I don't have this, right? So what did he do? He started to create his own. That's that's what 
they do. When we drafted Tom, when we drafted Garoppolo, Brady wasn't going to embrace Garoppolo. Brady saw him as a competitor. Brady was going to be kind and work hard. Brady was going to do what Brady wanted to do. And nobody in our building felt like Brady needed to develop Garoppolo. Either Garoppolo was going to fall in and do what he did, or he was going to get cut. Or he was going to fall out. I mean, so I, mm-hmm. I, I think we're making way too much of it. Tannehill's got the right mentality. He's got to worry about himself. I mean, the fact that he was in rehab, not rehab, but he was in therapy because of the, the last game tells you how important the game is to him. And he, you know, he doesn't feel like himself. I, I would be concerned if I'm John Robinson about where his mental state is right now. Well, it, well, if you're John Robinson, the general manager of the Titans, and you hear Tannehill say that, does that kind of – are you getting excited that your 34-year-old quarterback, okay, he's still got the fire, he still wants to compete with this guy. Is that the takeaway for the GM? You know, I think it, it is. I think you got to sit there and say, well, it's, it's, it's got to be important to him, right? I mean, whatever we emphasize is what's important to us. And so it's important to him. I mean, he's, he's a professional athlete. He was embarrassed by his performance in that game. And, mm-hmm. well, he should have been. And it has affected him in the offseason. And I think he's trying to prove that he can, that he can overcome it. I, I, I think it's good. I, but the problem is, is I, I don't doubt his word, but what happens when he doesn't, when he has a bad game? Is he going to go back in the tank? Is he going to be so yeah. thin-skinned that you're worried about him holding on to the pressure? It's, it's the Ben Simmons thing, you know? Like Ben Simmons, you think Ben Simmons is going to hold up to the pressure? You could say, well, he's getting his back operated on now. Maybe, but... I mean, to, they would. I mean, back injuries uh, are certainly problematic. But everybody thought he was going to get cleared. I think the pressure of having to go out there and play is too much for him. And I'm, I'm being sympathetic here. So to me, I, I think that that's what would concern me about Tannehill. Yeah, I think the pressure is the real big thing here for Ryan Tannehill because he's. A former first-round pick. It was a top-ten pick for the Miami Dolphins. It didn't work out in Miami. He goes to Tennessee, not necessarily playing with house money, but he came in as the backup. And when Mariota didn't perform up to par, then they put Tannehill in, and he was able to kind of play free. Do you believe that he can play free and and pressure-free with Malik Willis behind him? Because Willis wasn't a first-round pick, but there's already the discussions of he's the successor to Tannehill if we get into 2023, 2024. I think that's a comedy. I think there's no chance Malik Willis. I think Malik Willis will be inactive for every game. I think Logan Woodside will be the backup. I really do. I I think there's no chance Willis is coming on that field with very limited knowledge of the pro passing game and being able to go out there and run it and and convince, convince Mike Vrabel that he knows what he's doing and then he can take over the job. See, this is what I think fans missed the boat on, right? Mm-hmm. So the head coach has got to stand in front of the team and say, this guy is so good, I'm going to play him. Right? He's got to prove it in practice. Why did Kyle Shanahan not play Trey Lance? Because he couldn't stand in front of the team and convince him. The media was convinced he should start in training camp, right? You, you remember all those. <laughs> Everybody said that Trey Lance is having great camps. Kyle could never say it. So, like, you think Willis is going to come out there and learn the offense, do all the things? No chance. There's no chance. He'll be the third-string quarterback. Will he develop in a year? We shall see. But they picked him in the right round. So if he doesn't develop, he's the third round that didn't make it. They have nothing really. They, have, they gave it a chance. I mean, why not? I guess then the thought process behind the draft pick then, is this just a lottery ticket? Because they picked him in the third round for a reason. And you'd think that maybe they see something in him that could develop into a starting quarterback because – 
year one, let's say that's like a redshirt year for him to develop and to learn the game and learn the NFL uh, lingo and all that matter. But he was picked for a reason, Michael. Like This is something that they clearly see something in him to possibly develop later on down the line. I mean, I, I... Definitely. He was graded on their board and they liked him. And so they picked him for that. But the, just because you like a player, there's certain things. I mean, when you draft a guy and you bring him into your building, you say, okay, he, here's where I think he can be really good or here's where I think if he doesn't overcome this, we've kind of blown the pick. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think you've got to be realistic. Like, it's not all going to be glory. Like, he's going to have to learn the offense, play faster, not react to run the to, to take off and run the first minute the protection breaks down. I mean, we're gonna we all know what this is gonna look like in year one. I mean, he's gonna be get back there. It's, it, the game's gonna move way too fast for him. It's not gonna be comfortable, and he's gonna take off and start running. And then we'll see. But I think eventually the only time to evaluate him is next year. Like, let, I would if I was Vrabel, I would say to the staff, look, let's not evaluate this guy. Let's teach him the offense. Let's limit what he does have a package for him, teach him a little bit of what we're trying to get done, and then next year in the offseason really get into him and evaluate him at that point. Because if you start to evaluate him now, you'll make an evaluation error because he's just not ready to play right now. There's just no chance. Ryan Tannehill has a $36 million cap hit in 2023. A lot of reports and indications are that this could be his last year in Nashville. Malik Willis, do you think we could see him start as soon as next year, or do you think it's even maybe a year away from being a year away like you like to say? Uh, I think I would be surprised if he did that. But, you know, I mean, we've got to wait and see. I mean, there's some hope for the player. They took him. And, and a key is I think Vrabel does a really good job of developing talent. That's the, that's the part that we never talk about in this whole equation is how are we going to develop talent? How are we going to make the player better? And we'll see. I mean, Henry, I think his contract's up at the end of the year, too. He signed a three-year deal when he originally went back. So, look, we know this. This team is built on the run game of Henry. And that's what it is. And that defensive front that they've been able to get, whether it's Dupree, whether it's Simmons, whether those guys have come through, that's where they've got to win the game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. This Titans team is fascinating because they're not necessarily rebuilding. It almost feels like they're reshuffling here in 2022. Let's take a quick break. <laughs> do you get the sense? Oh. Do you, I, I never get the sense they're a talented team. Do you? Not really. Not, not right. I mean, once you trade A.J. Brown to me, I, I – I think they're going to take a step back, me personally. But like you mentioned, Mike Vrabel has been doubted consistently. And as a better, they've gone over their win total, I believe, every single year Mike Vrabel's been the coach. So clearly he does something right to where they outperform expectations. No doubt. And, 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 and I would say this. Traylon Burks is the one receiver that I get more negative feedback on because they, nobody thinks he's a true outside at X or Z. Uh-huh. Like he can't win on the outside. And he's going to have to come inside. He's more of an F than he is a, a Z or an X. He's kind of an inside slot receiver with a chance to, can he do it? You know, I know he's got great time speed, but he doesn't play with quickness or explosiveness. It's going to be an interesting one there. How ready will he be to play based on that offense, which was so limited in Arkansas? I know it was, you know, the Bryles offense and all that, but that's completely different than what he's going to run. It, it'll be fascinating to see. And then where's Robert Woods in terms of his knee is he going to be able to come back but I, I every year I don't like the Titans team yep 
and I end up liking Vrabel way more. Yep. I was going to say, like, they're a thorn in a lot of people's side. Every year, we doubt them, and then every year, there they are in the playoffs or maybe winning the division like they've done over the past couple of years. Traylon Burks is taking the place of a receiver they traded to the NFC East, and we'll talk about that receiver, the Philadelphia Eagles, and much more in the NFC East on the other side. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. All right, Michael, it's a division that has not had a lot of success over the past five to seven years, but it's the one that we talk about, the one that we see quite a bit on primetime. It's none other than the NFC East and the Dallas Cowboys. We talked about this earlier in the show, the top of the show, Jerry Jones showing the draft board to the media because why not, I guess, but... His draft board, people were able to decipher it. It was almost like the Zapruder film. People were trying to see, okay, what does this look like? But the top two names on the board from what we think we gleaned from that board is Kayvon Thibodeau, number one, Evan Neal, number two. Those two players go over to the rival New York Giants. You know, I mean, Jerry was out there selling. I mean, he was out there selling. I I think (laughs) this is how frustrating this draft has become. The process has become for most of these teams is they're out there trying to sell that they know what they're talking about and try and dispel Mm -hmm. the mock people, you know. And and so he puts himself out there, and now, you know, the Giants end up getting two of his good players. Fascinating, right? I mean, if if you're the... If you're the Houston Texans or if you're the Detroit Lions and you see the Cowboys had these two guys, your top pick, and you went completely off, or the Giant or the Jets, you know, it's like, okay. But we knew this going in, fam. Everybody's going to have different opinion on this. This was the one draft which I think was universal is that there is no agreement on anything. You're going to have variations on it. But that's every draft. And the reality of it is, is just because it's set on television doesn't mean they're right. I mean, how many guys thought that Sam Darnold was going to be the greatest quarterback? Go back to NFL Network. I mean, there's a bunch of that. There was a Jet Beat writer that thought he was the greatest player of all time. There was everybody at NFL Network <laughs> thought he was going to be great. I mean, it just happens. We all may, you know, that doesn't mean it's right. Yeah, no, Sam Darnold went through that entire draft process as the number one. Everyone just penciled him into Cleveland until the night before when the report was actually they like Baker Mayfield. He's going to go number one. Like we all thought Darnold was consensus QB one and it didn't work out for Darnold. Probably not working out for Baker Mayfield either. But it's interesting that because the draft is an inexact science, 
that these teams have differences of opinions. And I think that's probably a healthy thing because if everybody was just, all right, here's the consensus one through 300, then that's not really like, we're not turning over all the stones here, is, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like the fact that we get differences of opinions is healthy and that's normal because different teams have different schemes. They have different play callers. It's not going to match up apples to apples for everybody. Never. It's never going to match up apples to apples. I mean, everybody has different var- – because the NFL, what people don't understand is every scheme is different. Well, you might play offensive line for the 49ers. You can't play for New England. You know, they might not have liked, you know, the Coles. So it's all different. It's all variables. So – and if, if the player doesn't fit into the scheme, then it's not going to work as well. So I, I, I think that's the issue. you got to be really – you got to understand the schemes. And if you don't know all the schemes, you know, then I think it becomes real problematic for you. We mentioned Traylon Burks going to the Tennessee Titans. He replaces A.J. Brown, who now went to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles getting rave reviews for their draft. Howie Roseman, the general manager out there, they did a really good job getting Jordan Davis, trading for A.J. Brown. And Jalen Hurts seems rather happy. I think him and A.J. Brown are like best friends, is what I learned over the last week. I mean, they FaceTimed on draft night. They seem like they are really, really uh, have a really good relationship here. And Jalen Hurts is the big question mark, I think, on this Philadelphia Eagles team. Do you agree there that Hurts is kind no of doubt. what we want to see going forward if this Eagles team can contend? Look, I think the one thing about the Eagle team is this. You know, one of the things that drives me crazy about Doc Rivers is his inability to prepare the team for the playoffs, right? So he never has any futuristic, you know, look, I need to get this guy ready because I'm going to need 12 minutes of this guy. In the, you know, play, he played Paul Reed 25 minutes last night. Paul Reed didn't get 25 <laughs> minutes at any point during the regular season. But now in the most important game of the year, he's playing him 25. Like, there's no vision. And a job of a coach is to figure out what the vision is. So if you're a team that, that's playing Philadelphia next year, like you can't get ready for Philadelphia, the Eagles. You can't get ready for their offense in three days. You, you, you just can't. I mean, you can't get ready for them. So what you have to do is you have to, you have to spend time in the offseason making sure that you have, the, you have and you have an understanding of what they're trying to do. So if you're Detroit or if you're the team like Tennessee or Arizona that, you know, you got to play this team, Pittsburgh, because of their uniqueness in what they do, the Oklahoma offense, you should spend a week during OTA days, a week of, of that time. Of, not, not that you're game planning, but you're understanding how to defend them and what you're doing. You're preparing your team. And then during the season, until you play that team, whatever extra time you have, you've got to prepare yourself for that. That's really important because you're building something to play. You just can't show up. It's like playing Army in football, right? You just can't play Army on the week. They're going to run the option, and they're going to kill you because they're so much better at doing it than you are. So you've got to prepare yourself for that. You have to have some kind of vision, like what are we going to do? You know, the minute that the 76ers traded Drummond, Doc should have sat there and said, okay, i got to have to develop Bassey and Reed because I'm going to need 12 minutes out of them, and I'm going to have to put them in and play them in games. I'm not playing Millsap. I know he can't play. I'm not playing Jordan, who they went inside. i got to find a way to develop these players, right? Of course he didn't. You know, and so now last night he's out there. You know, Shake Milton gets a minute. You know, he brings Furcon in off the bench who hasn't played. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's what we call battleship football. You're just randomly guessing, and, and, and you're making $12 million a year to randomly guess. Like, seriously, like, what are we doing here? Like, don't we have an idea? Okay, against my, if we play Miami, I think I'm going to need these kind of – I'm going to need this. And then you tell the player, hey, look, this is your role in the game. That's called player development. 
This yeah. is what's so frustrating about about it is, you know, the Miami Heat have two players that would watch that are in their starting lineup that that didn't even weren't even drafted or the second round picks. I mean, it's a comedy. But they but Riley builds that franchise around player development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Heat culture. That's what they always talk about there down on South Beach. Heat culture while they're flashy and the glitz and glamour by the beach they are definitely hard nosed the miami heat but i want to get back to this eagles thing here because you mentioned jalen hurts and how the eagles have tried to get better surrounding him they've surrounded him with a lot of talent and hurts i'm a big fan of his uh, as a person just because this is a hard-nosed hard-working guy who knows that he's not where he needs to be but is working to try to improve and this eagles team worked around that last year they started the year passing the football then they switched mid-season okay let's run the ball and give teams a different look and then their run game and their offense really took off there now they've playoffs it, it took them to so far there as they lost in the wild card round but do you think that they can build upon this Oklahoma offense with Hertz knowing that he needs to improve in certain areas of his game I don't see it happening I mean he couldn't do it at Alabama he got benched at halftime for Tuiasa Sopo uh for uh, two, uh, two, uh, yeah. not Tuiasa Sopa. Two, I, I, I appreciate know, the shout out. I love the Huskies there, Tuiasa Sopa. Oh yeah, he was with <laughs> us in he was with us in Oakland, Marquise yep. Marcus. So uh, you know, and so look, they were thirty second Femi in the league last year. The Eagles were in passing attempts. I mean, they were they were twenty fifth in yards, right? You know, he protected the ball last year. He only threw he was sixth in the league in interceptions thrown. So he was protecting the ball. Where they excelled was they were the best run team in the league. They were the best rushing touchdown team in the league, right? So they were, and they were the fourth best, which is the most important stat in rushing, is they were the fourth best yards per attempt. That's how they won. Mm-hmm. When they were on that three game losing streak back in early in the season when they lost to Dallas and San Francisco and Kansas City, they tried to throw the ball. Yep. They try to throw the ball. They can't. I mean, when when they got done getting beat by Tampa and they or the Raiders, you know, and they from the Raider game on, they averaged two thirty. They they went and ran for two thirty six, one seventy six, two sixteen, two forty two, two oh eight, one eighty five, two thirty eight. They just started running the ball. And then what happened in the playoff game? They got ninety five yards rushing. And that's why I think, to me, you know, I mean, people say, well, Lombardi, you don't know anything about basketball, Rudy Gobert. Like, seriously, Rudy Gobert, they've neutralized him in the playoffs, right? I mean, it's pr- everybody knows it. Like, he, his dominance isn't in the playoffs because it's, a, it's no, they, they substitute, they go small, and he can't play. It's the same thing with Hurts. When they make him have to throw the ball come playoff time, can he do it? No, of course not. Do the, do, does it get easier having a guy like an A.J. Brown in that offense? Because they clearly traded him – for Brown because they think he's a talented player and one of the elite receivers in football, but having a guy like Brown alongside Devontae Smith, alongside Dallas Goddard, does that make the passing windows a little easier or is it just something that you just have to be able to do it regardless who's out there? You know, I just think to me his problem has always been his anticipation throw. Can he anticipate the throw? Can he throw the ball before the guy's open? And he's never been able to do that. He doesn't have a rhythm to his game. He doesn't have a, a smooth rhythm to his game. And where he excels is when he's in a play-action pass game, mm-hmm. where he can fake a handoff, the defense gets separated, and now he can read high-low. Okay, I'm going to throw the ball to you or I'm going to throw the ball to you. And then he goes from there. But I think the other concern if you're Philadelphia is how good are you going to be on defense? You know, last year when they played against San Francisco, when they played Dallas, Kansas City, Carolina, when they played the good teams, they couldn't stop anybody defensively. And when they started to play the bad teams offensively, you know, when Herbert came in at Philadelphia, I mean, what they they were, you know, they were 
you know, they Philly lost 27-24 in that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the the Chargers threw for 445. They threw, I mean, they threw for they had 445 yards of offense. I mean, they were going up and down the field. The schedule really benefited the Eagles last year. When they landed back from that trip in Denver, they didn't go on the road again. And that was November 20th. Right, so from mm-hmm. the November the fifteenth, when they landed back from Denver, they never went on the road. They were in buses or trains until they had to go to Tampa, and then when they got to Tampa again, Brady throws for two forty three against them, you know, and he throws a, doesn't have very many incompletions. They have three hundred ninety nine yards. I mean, the game really wasn't as close as thirty one fifteen. Yeah, no, Tampa really controlled that game, and it felt like it was over after the first quarter um, in the playoffs there. The secondary for the Eagles, definitely a question mark. I really like their defensive line, though. Um, they have N'Kobe Dean now at linebacker. This Eagles team, I think they could, could be a challenger in this NFC East. A team that we haven't discussed mainly in the NFC East, though, is the Washington Commanders, now with one Carson Wentz, my least favorite quarterback in the league, probably. Uh, any optimism here in our nation's capital? I don't see it. I, I really don't. We'll see if they can improve. But, like, tell me, like, if you're them, tell me how you're going to improve. Tell me tell me what we're doing differently defensively. I mean, what people don't realize, I mean, okay, Chase Young's coming back. All mm-hmm. right. Well, when they were on a four, I mean, Chase Young played mo- first half of the season. They're 25th in terms of points allowed, right? Uh, you know, they were 22nd in yards. I mean, they can't stop the forward pass. I mean, they were bad in terms of, yards allowed in the passing game and they were horrible Femi on third down they were horrible on third down 31st in the league in third down and so and then they were bad in the red zone offensively in the red zone they were 29th so like tell me why they're going to be better tell me how they're going to be better like what additions have they made to their roster that you say are going to get better okay they haven't made a lot all right, then tell me mm-hmm. what schemes. They didn't fire a coach. They, they, they're keeping the same coaches there. So why are they going to be better offensively? Why are they going to be better defensively? It's a valid I mean, question. I mean, like, tell me, give me the reason why. Because they're going to coach another year? I mean, like, there's no reason to believe that they're going to be able to, you know, to, to me, to, to take it up a notch. I think they're very inconsistent. I think their scheme's generic. And this offensive line, I mean, once Wentz starts getting hit, I mean, their right tackle is the kid they drafted in the second round last year. Cosme, I mean, that's going to be a problem, you know. Mm-hmm. And and their left tackle is the Charles Leno kid. They signed that Norwell kid from – I mean, this once Wentz starts getting hurt, you're going to see more and more left-handed passes. <laughs> Those left-handed passes were Wentz They thinks, drive me crazy. He thinks he's ambidextrous like or something. You, at some point, when do you say, hey, Carson, we're not throwing the ball left-handed anymore. Come on, please. <laughs> You'd think that conversation was had in high school, but apparently it was not there for Carson Wentz. That's the big change they made in the offseason this year, trading for Carson Wentz. We'll see how that works out for them. But based on what we've seen over his career since he entered the league in 2016, I don't think it's going to work out too well. Let's take another quick break here, Michael. Time to get strange. On the other side, we'll talk more about the Patriots' first-round pick. All right, if there's one thing that I would love to do in my life, it's to make my meals a little bit easier. But you want to also make them a little bit healthier as well. Well, our friends at Factor are helping us out here on the GM Shuffle to do just that. I just ordered mine. I can't wait to go ahead and see what they have for me so I can get my never-frozen, chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals ready to roll in just two minutes. I mean, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. We're talking about two-minute meals, 
Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Sign up and save. We're done with the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash shuffle50 and use code shuffle50 to get 50% off. That's code shuffle50 at factormeals.com slash shuffle50 to get 50% off. All right, Michael, it's the pick that has the draft Knicks and the whole NFL world buzzing. Mm. It is Cole Strange going over to the New England Patriots at 29. We talked about this in our last episode. Uh, We got quite a little bit of buzz on social media about this strange pick. So in your opinion, and we'll play the sound here from Belichick to start off here. Here's what he had to say about moving back from 21, where they initially were in the draft, going back to 29 and how the board fell for them. Uh, Yeah, well, if we had... Yeah, if we had stayed at 21, then we would have um, obviously picked somebody. Um, and probably a good chance it would have been him. I don't know. We didn't. You know, we there were several teams that we talked to prior to uh, when we made the trade. There were some other, you know, other conversations going on there. But ultimately, that's you know that's the one we chose. So um, you know, I'm glad Cole was there when we picked. And um, as I said, I feel like we made the made the best decision that we could uh, at 21. Interesting stuff there from Belichick. My takeaway when I listened to that soundbite is that the Patriots probably had two to three guys, including Strange, that they were comfortable with at 21. So might as well trade back based on what they thought other teams might do who were behind them. Yeah, plus they, you know, they got a good deal. I mean, they won, they won the trade. I mean, I think it's if you go re- review all the deals that have been done in the draft, you can see that that deal was one that they got actually more points for it than they would have, than, than typically would have said. Like the worst deal to me, and I've said it at the time when they made it, is you got to give credit to you got to give credit to uh, to Detroit because they basically mm-hmm. really, I think they ripped off. Uh, they ripped off uh, Minnesota. Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota settled for, <clears throat> I think, almost 240 points less than what they should have gotten on that pick, which made, to me made it sound like they did. You know, most of the time when you go back over and review these picks, these trades, you're kind of seeing, okay, here's the value. This is worth – what you sent was worth 1,600 points, let's say, and you got back 1,400 points. Well, you're, you're down. Mm-hmm. Usually you just say no. So what does it tell you why Minnesota did that deal? It tells you that Minnesota basically, as I wrote about, they didn't care. They just wanted to move down. They, they were going to take less. They had nothing else on the table. They were going to take less, even though they lost the trade, to move down. So give them credit. Whereas New England moved down and, and was able to get their guy. You know, look. You, you can criticize. Everybody has an opinion on the player, right? Everybody thinks this guy, you know, is he's, he's not good. But you're talking about a 6'5 kid who's got 33-inch arms. He's, he's over 300 pounds. He's got a, a huge hand at 10 and an eighth. He ran the 40 in 509, 507. He's got a really good v- vertical jump, a standing broad jump of 10 feet, which is outstanding. <coughs> you know, and his short shuttle was really good. So, like, everything he did athletically, and then he's played four years. Like, why is this pick not going to work out? And then factor in, like I wrote about today, factor in the player development. 
factor in the mm-hmm. that, that you know he's going to get coached, you know he's going to get played, and they're going to make the player better. Like that's the thing. Like they're just not going to sit there and say, "Well, Mel says he's no good, so we're not going to coach him." Like seriously, they're going to coach the shit out of him. He's smart as hell, you know. He knows what to do. He's played well. I mean, the senior bowl, he never played center before. Like, you can hate the pick all you want, but there's reasons for people to like the pick. You know, and, yeah. I, and I think that sometimes just because one guy doesn't like him doesn't mean, look, I've been wrong a thousand times. Everybody's, Mel's been wrong. Everybody's been wrong. You know, and so, like, you can go back through all the drafts. I mean, they're all wrong. So I, I just think to me, it's, it's, it's you, you've got to factor in player development in this more than ever is what coach, what staff is going to get the most out of the players? You know, what staff is going – Al Davis should say this all the time, Femi. Make the coaches understand that they're high school coaches. And you would say, what does that mean? Well, it means that they can't – there's no new player coming in. they got to coach what they have, right? He, and he would say to me all the time, make sure they understand they're not general managers, that they're coaches. So you got to coach them. You know, like Johnny Unitas, I was talking about this. Johnny Unitas shows up. He's the, I think he's a tenth, ninth round pick or something like that out of Louisville. He shows up, and Walt Kessling the, is the head coach of the Steelers. He goes to Unitas, and and in like the first week of training camp, he he asks him, "What is the audible based on this front?" And Unitas kind of stammered and stunned and and didn't know. And 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 Kissling said, "He's too fucking dumb." So he gave him zero reps in the five <laughs> exhibition games, right? In the five exhibition games, he gave him zero reps because he said he was too dumb. Get him out of here. He's too dumb. He's too dumb. He's too dumb. Wow. Right? No reps. So they're out in Portland. When they cut him, he hitchhikes back home. He hitchhikes back home. He's like, fuck this. I'm not waiting for the bus. I'm going to cash the bus money, and I'm hitchhiking back home. And, and ultimately, he's got to go play semi-pro ball to get a tryout with the Baltimore Colts the next year. But Kissling was like, he's too dumb. So he signs Ted Marshabroda to come in, progress stopper. He signs him as a progress because he'll stop off. Because Ted knows what to do. He just can't do it. Ted's DeAndre Jordan. He knows what to do. He just can't do it. Right? <laughs> so, But these examples, Femi, are all over the place. It happens every year in the draft. And if you're a draft guy... You know, like there was a great scene in uh, there was this, it was in a book. Uh, the, the, uh, it was a book about it was the book we had him on on uh, Adnan and I interviewed the guy that was he wrote the book "Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli." And and there's mm-hmm. a great scene in the book about Charles Blenthorn, who's the president of Paramount, right? Yep. And and I think this is really important. I'm going to write this for the Daily Coach. I think this is really important for all of us to understand. So Blunhorn gets a phone call from Jack Warner over at at, at one of the major studios. And on the phone, he offers him a million dollars for the rights to The Godfather, which is just a book at this point. That's all it is. And so he listens to him, and he kind of his accountant's in the room, and his accountant's take the deal, take the deal. We need the money. We're going to go bankrupt. Meanwhile, Robert Evans is in the room, too. He doesn't want to do it. So when he hangs up the phone, he says, what does Warner know that I don't? If you're Mel Kuyper, wouldn't you say to yourself, what does Belichick know that I don't? That's what I would do. Like, like, I mean, and I didn't do early in my career. I was taking the arrogant approach. I knew everything. Later in life, you become more cerebral and you become, okay, what does he know that I don't? Like, what do the Cowboys know about their pick that I don't? Instead of, instead of saying that, like, 
I'm, I've ripped Drake London, not because he's a bad player. I ripped Drake London because of the, the Falcons team. I'm not ripping the pick. I, I, I'm ripping the strategy involved of the pick. I'm ripping the fact they can't stop anybody on defense and they're terrible on offense and their quarterback's gotten killed. I'm ripping the philosophical nature of the pick. But what does Belichick know about Cole Strange that I don't know? That would be the that would be something you need to figure out. I think that's really fascinating stuff. Mark Seal, the author of the book you were mentioning, Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli. Um, I want to play this quick cut of Belichick, and I want to respond to what you just said. This is Belichick talking about how Strange was viewed around the league and if he thought that he could wait to the second round to take the center out of Chattanooga. Hey, one, one quick follow-up, Bill. Did you, have, did you have a belief that if you waited until your next <laughs> pick that Strange would be gone, or did you just have conviction on the player? Uh, yeah, he he uh, he wouldn't last them much longer. Short and sweet there from BB, yeah. and it's interesting because the discussion of what would what does Belichick know that we don't know? Maybe the league also knew as well with Cole Strange. I never watched the guy, so I can't comment on what he is in terms of a most prospect people, or whatever. Most people never. So fam, most I'm not going to rip him. Yeah, him. I, I've never seen him, him play. From commenting, it didn't stop him. I was told by a team in the league. I was told by a team in the league that they had. They had, they had the guy somewhere between twenty-five and thirty-five. That's where he kind of his range was, right? Mm-hmm. And that this is what I was told by a team in the league that Zion Johnson from Boston College, they had behind, they had behind him, but everybody wow. loves Zion Johnson. Everybody loves Zion Johnson. So Zion's not been under any scrutiny at all at Boston College, right? He's under no scrutiny. Whereas, like, you know, Dallas is taking shit for Tyler Smith and, you know, and so, like, look, it's in the pit. What do they know that I don't know? That really should be the thing. That should be the theme of draft day. What do, I, what do they know that I don't? Like, like, when you look at the linebacker, you know, from the, that the Eagles drafted, you know, the, the Dean, we, the league knew he had a bad pack. And mm-hmm. it was pretty clear that the draft Knicks didn't know he had a bad pack. That was clear, right? The yeah. league knew that Malik Willis was struggled on a blackboard, that he had a hard time. It's the same thing with Ryder, same thing with Matt Corral. Ryder wasn't bad on a blackboard, but there was no interest. The league knew there was no interest. The, the mock guys didn't, but yet they're right. It's a fascinating dynamic there. And to me with this strange pick, and I keep coming back to it for New England, is that it's the understanding of what other teams felt about him and it's the understanding of the market for Cole Strange because the discussion on Twitter I thought I was like yeah like I get that Belichick likes to go against the grain and that's where I lean but there's also something of understanding the market and maybe if we can get this guy in the second round let's do that there because let's go back to 2002 would you take Tom Brady first overall or would you wait to the sixth round (laughs) to take Tom Brady in that draft like that's that's something that understanding how the other teams around him feel about him I thought was the interesting part about Belichick pretty much admitting that, hey, teams that I've talked to, everybody that scouted him, they all said this guy is probably going to go pretty soon, so we got to strike now or we're going to miss out on him. Yeah, I mean, look, he, the one thing they do a good job in New England with Richard Miller, their their analytical man, they do a good job of figuring out who's in the top 100 players. They kind of have a good sense of, like, they don't take it for chance. Like, the mm-hmm. one year we got caught with our pants down, we loved Mitch Morse when I was there in New England, and he wasn't on any one of those sheets, and he went in the second round. We didn't get him. We thought we could get him in the second round. He didn't make it. 
And, and we learned that basically, you know, guys that aren't in the conversation, you got to be careful of. They're probably going to go earlier than you think. So they do their due diligence. They know. They just, to me, there's such a gap between people that know and people that don't. And he's talked to enough people around the league. You know, he probably went to, how many, I, I would promise you, Cole Strange probably took, was on a lot of visits. You know, he went, went to a bunch of teams, a bunch of O-line coaches went and worked them out, just like everybody. And they knew that. When you send your O-line coach to work a guy out, and you send you bring him in on a visit, you're interested in the player. Like, that's why we track all that stuff. But when you don't, which is what they didn't do with Willis, or they didn't do it with a lot, then you know teams aren't really interested. They kind of have them on the board, but they're not really, they don't expect to pick them. I mean, mm-hmm. most teams wanted the quarterbacks to go in the first round because it would have been one more player for them. Yep. Yeah, and that's, that's my theory why we heard about the quarterbacks in the media. I thought it was these teams that already had quarterbacks feeding stuff to the mock drafters and all that, saying, hey, let's push these guys up the board so we can get a receiver or we can get a pass rusher to fall to us later on in the first round. Michael, let's take a quick break. On the other side, I want to give you some rapid news and notes from around the league. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle code 25SHUFFLE. All right, Michael, we got some news earlier this week that Arizona Cardinals All-Pro wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins will be suspended for six games due to violating the league's performance-enhancing drug policy. Hopkins will not appeal this suspension, so he's going to serve those six games. Uh, Your quick thoughts around the league and how this affects the Cardinals' early portion of the season. Well, I mean, we know this. They affected them last year at the end of the year. It's going to affect the mayor tremendously. I mean, you know, and you say, well, they have Hollywood Brown. Now they can do their old Smurf <laughs> thing. I mean, we can bring back the Smurfs from back in Washington. I mean, the, 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 the lollipop land is going to be in full force out Arizona now. I mean, I, I don't get – sometimes I just don't get Arizona. Like, I thought A.J. Green had no juice in his lower body. You know, the one thing when you watch a lot of NBA games, you can tell who has juice and who doesn't. Like, mm-hmm. you can tell. Like, let me just say this to you, Femi. If the, if the seven 76ers pay James Harden $200 million. That's malpractice. Like, I don't know how Josh Harris can be this billionaire buying all these things and be this stupid. Like, you can't be. Like, it doesn't go hand in hand. Like, how can you do that? Like, if they're going to go do that, like, it's ridiculous. So, like, there's certain things that you just ask yourself, how can this happen? 
You know, like mm-hmm. what what's going on? And you know, I, I just think to me, you know, it, it's one of those where you, you just have to sh- shake your head and say, "Wow." Yeah, no, yeah. Hopkins now going to be out for the Cardinals there for those six games. Maybe that's why they traded for Hollywood Brown there on draft but night. Maybe, he, they, uh, maybe, yeah, they did maybe they did. That. Maybe, maybe <laughs> that. Are you are you playing Marquise Brown in, in fantasy? Are you going to do that? Are you going to jump on that? Fan? I, I, I am not. I'm going to go ahead and take a pass. Oh, cool. Of course on that you're one. not. <laughs> I'm going to take a pass on Hollywood Brown. Not. Although he has a really cool nickname, I'm not sure if he lives up to it all the time though. Um, the NFL International Series was announced. We're going to get the schedule next Thursday, Michael. I am absolutely fired up. We're going to know the when on all 272 of these games coming up in the regular season. But we got the International Series that was announced earlier this week. October 2nd, Vikings Saints in London. October 9th, Giants Packers also in London. Then October 30th, Broncos Jaguars in London. That one being played at Wembley. And then November 13th, we get Seahawks Buccaneers in Munich, Germany. The first game in Germany for the NFL. Then November 21st, 49ers Cardinals NFC West Showdown Monday Night Football in Mexico City. Which one of these games excites you the most? I think going to Munich's brilliant. I think that the Germans love our game. They love it. I think it's awesome. I think the I think the Mexico game is to me. I've watched too many narcos to realize it's dangerous down there. You know, <laughs> I, I worry about that. I've heard stories of teams that have been down there and and how dangerous it can be. But you know, I mean, there's a lot of people in Mexico and they love football, so you got to go. But the Munich one excites me because that remember there you're too young, but there was a time when the World League was in play, oh, and there were three I'm not or four young. teams in Germany. I remember watching there were three the World or four League. Teams in, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they had a bunch of teams in Germany. It was awesome. Yeah, no, that, that 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 World League was always fun. It was like that Spring League that actually was successful and lasted more than a year. Um, but quick note, though, Tom Brady is going to become the first quarterback to start a game in four different countries. That's going to be a fascinating note, especially if they win yeah. that game over the Seahawks. They'll be heavily favored. Four different if, countries. I mean, I mean, he just keeps racking it up, doesn't he? It's incredible. He's going to own every single record if he doesn't already own every single record in NFL history from a quarterback standpoint. Um, final note, though, I mean, Sixers in 60 seconds. Your, your Sixers are down 0-2, but we found this funny tweet, and our producer Stephen Bond <laughs> sent it to the both of us here. This is from somebody named Robert on Twitter. I hope that's his actual real name, but he's got some fire emojis in his name, so you know he's coming with the heat here. But he sent a picture of himself right behind the bench of the 76ers there, and it's the Sixers huddle. Doc Rivers looking up. we got the players surrounding him, and the tweet says, quote, I can confirm Doc was cooking up nothing in this timeout, <laughs> and that seems to be alongside your thoughts from what we've seen in this playoffs. You know, I, I think you have to be really careful as an executive, as a, as a, as a football coach. When the cameras come on you, you've got to be really good and, and say things that are enlightening and sell the audience that you're, you know what you're doing. I think it's one of the reasons why if you go on hard knocks and you don't have game, the game's going to get exposed. Mm. I mean, the game, your game, your lack of game is going to get exposed. And when they do these huddles with Doc, I mean, like I, I get nothing out of it. Like I don't, I don't, you know, we just got to keep playing. We just got to keep like, what does that mean? We're playing. <laughs> like, what does that mean? We're just got to keep playing. Like, what does that mean? Let's finish the like, game. <laughs> We're playing. We suck, but we're playing. Like, what does it mean? Like, look, if we don't do this or that, you know, it's so, I mean, and, and I, I mean, obviously that kid's dad has good seats and got good money because yes. there's no chance that kid's affording that. There's no way. I mean, that kid's right. I mean, I've never been behind a, an NBA bench. You know, it's like, shit. God bless your dad. Yeah, honestly, God bless your dad. He, and he was just ripping Doc. He had a whole Twitter thread. Uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. We have the visual up here as well. But it's just absolutely funny to see 
somebody just ripped Doc Rivers, and because that's kind of been warranted. Well, Doc's never been seen. ripped, Femi. Femi, yeah. he's had the soft market in Orlando, Boston. He had those three stars, but the Philly market's way more. I mean, there's no way. I mean, if Josh Harris, I mean, you're just watching your team. He plays read 25 minutes last night. Are you kidding me? Like, why didn't you play him 25 minutes in January? Now you're playing him, and and I predicted this. Like, I saw this coming. Yeah, it's and Joel Embiid is out. We'll see if he comes back game three or game four, no, but no Sixers down 0-2, and it's not looking good. Both those losses, double digits down on South Beach as they are 0-2 in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Real quick before we get out of here, any Kentucky Derby pick? I know you're a, a fan of the Ponies. No, but i tell you what, I, I've been doing a ton of work. I, I'm on the final seven players of the dra- of my book. And, nice, and, congrats. And, and – there was one of the players that I wrote about was kind of got fortunate. Actually, Don, this is before I got to the final seven. Don Hudson, you know, Don Hudson was a player at Alabama. And during 1935, he wasn't, uh, there was no draft. So you could sign a contract with whatever you wanted to. And he signed two contracts, one with the Brooklyn Dodgers of the NFL and one with the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. And the commissioner said that whatever contract reached my desk at, with the earliest postmark, that Don Hudson would go to. And it changed the franchise. It changed the team, right? Because the, the Packers went on to win a bunch of titles with yep. Curly Lambeau. And, and it kind of reminded me of Secretariat because when she goes in there to flip the coin, you know, is she going to win? He wins and he ends up giving her Secretariat. So then I, now I've been obsessed with Secretariat. It's just like I've been reading everything about Secretary. It's incredible. What an incredible horse. And the way that horse was able to run the last stretch of the Belmont, getting faster in every turn. That's crazy. The one thing I've learned, Femi, is that people want to touch greatness. Do you realize in the Belmont that people that bet Secretariat, they didn't cash their ticket? Wow. Because they wanted proof that they were there to watch it. That's, That's next level there. As, as a better, I don't know if I'd ever get to that point yeah, where I'm yeah. not cashing a ticket, but that's next level to have that sort of souvenir. And it's looking back on it is probably a really cool ticket to have to say that you bet on Secretariat to win. Well, yeah, I mean, like there were 4,100 people that saw Wilt score 100 points in Hershey, Pennsylvania, but there, there's 4 million that think they were there. <laughs> Yeah, we can probably ask of all the people that were there that night in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Heard the rims were uh, working in his favor as well. Um, I know our buddy Patrick Maher. You do the Lombardi line with him at Veasan. Uh, he recommended Messier eight to one, and so I uh, tailed that Messier eight to one. So that's what I'll be rooting for Saturday in the Kentucky Derby. But that does it for our show this week. We'll be back next Thursday. The typical off-season schedule. Back to our Thursdays. But Michael, always a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Vison and our producer, Stephen Bond, as always, on the ones and twos. Michael, we'll talk next week, buddy. Thank you, Femi. Thank you, Stephen Bond. Thanks, DraftKings and Vison. Appreciate you. All right, if there's one thing that I would love to do in my life, it's to make my meals a little bit easier. But you want to also make them a little bit healthier as well. Well, our friends at Factor are helping us out here on the GM Shuffle to do just that. I just ordered mine. I can't wait to go ahead and see what they have for me so I can get my never-frozen, chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals ready to roll in just two minutes. I mean, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. We're talking about two-minute meals. 
Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Sign up and save. We're done with the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash shuffle50 and use code shuffle50 to get 50% off. That's code shuffle50 at factormeals.com slash shuffle50 to get 50% off.